Did you know that your brain gets much of its power from 100 billion nerve cells? They control reading, remembering, deciding, moving your body, and other activities that involve thinking and planning. Brain health is the utmost importance, especially for older adults, because it directly affects one's overall well-being, quality of life, and independence. It's important to keep one's brain sharp to live life to its fullest. Hello, everyone. I'm Cheryl Mujal, and welcome to My Care Advisors. In this episode, Mindful Aging, Keeping Your Brain Sharp, we are joined by Kinsey McManus. She's the program's director for the Alzheimer's Association's Desert Southwest Chapter. Well, welcome, Kinsey. Thank you for joining our listeners today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you inviting me to talk about something I'm incredibly passionate about. So let's get right to it. Can you describe what is the meaning behind brain health? Sure. So uh, I'll just start with a little background that your brain is the control center of your entire body. It manages everything from your thoughts to your movements to the things that you don't even think about, like breathing and your heart beating. When you're considering the amount of work that it is responsible for, it's not surprising that the brain is incredibly complicated. So there's really no one universally agreed upon definition of brain health because it oversees so many things. But I like to think about it as things related to using language, managing your emotions, your ability to make judgments, problem solve, to learn new things, and of course, to remember the things that you learn. Yes, I know. As I get older, that seems to be a challenge for myself at times. And speaking of that, I was just wondering, how can brain health be impacted, especially as one gets older? Sadly, no surprises here, but just like other parts of your body start to slow down as we age, so does your brain. Now, there are normal age-related changes that we should all expect, like forgetting where you put your keys, but finding them later, um, or having trouble remembering the right word. Uh, so, you know, there there's some things that we can just expect to change and to slow down and, and how quickly we think, how quickly we react to things. But there are other things that can very directly negatively impact your brain health, like brain injuries, substance use disorders, and brain diseases like Alzheimer's. So brain injuries are acute damage. Um, that means really directly impacting specific regions of the brain. They don't tend to get worse over time, but they can be risks for developing other challenges within the brain um, over time. Substance use disorders are messy because the drugs that we abuse are very messy in the brain and the body. Uh, and so they can negatively impact the brain both short-term and long-term. Then there are the brain diseases. So the most common type of brain disease when we're thinking about as we age is dementia. It's a term that we describe um, for a bunch of different diseases. So think of it as a term like cancer or mental illness, but these diseases specifically impact thinking and memory, and they're severe enough that they impact your daily life. Um, dementia is not a normal part of aging. There are very distinct differences between forgetting your keys uh, and refinding them and something like forgetting where the keys even go or what keys are for, 
right? And then Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia with 55 million people worldwide living with Alzheimer's. Wow, that's a staggering number. And I was wondering if you could just share a brief overview of some of that Alzheimer's disease prevention studies that have been completed and the brain health connection. Yes. When we're thinking about brain health, I think the biggest little kind of thing to think about is what's good for your heart is good for your brain. So because right now I'll I'll just be upfront, there are not proven methods to prevent cognitive decline or dementia, but research is showing that we can take action to reduce our risk of developing it and help maintain and potentially improve our overall health and cognitive health. So remember again, what's good for your heart is good for your head. The brain is nourished by the body's richest network of blood vessels. Each time that your heart beats, 20 to 25% of that blood goes to your brain. So keeping the heart in good working order helps keep the brain fueled to do its many, many jobs. Um, And so then when we're thinking about prevention, we're talking about things like your blood pressure, your blood sugar, your weight, and your cholesterol levels. They're really a key part to the story of your overall health, including your brain. So it's really important to understand and keep track of those numbers. Um, There's strong evidence of a connection between midlife high blood pressure and later life dementia. Controlling your blood pressure can have a significant impact Um, on your risk for cognitive decline. Keeping diabetes controlled is also really important. Studies have shown an increase in the risk for cognitive decline and possibly dementia among individuals living with diabetes. Although diabetes, just to be clear, has not been a point to be proven to cause Alzheimer's disease. So it increases your risk um, and it can lead to later life dementia, but it's not, we don't know for sure that it directly causes it. And then maintaining your weight is really important too. So researchers have found that midlife obesity may be associated with an increased risk for dementia. So the best thing you can do is know your numbers, know what your blood pressure is, you know, how your blood sugar is being managed, keep an eye on them, especially if they change. Talk with your doctor or another healthcare professional to really understand what those numbers are, what they mean, and what you can do to improve them for your overall health. So I was wondering, you know, can you share with our listeners some tips to keep one's brain sharp, especially for older adults, their caregivers, and really anybody at any age? I think one thing that's not talked a lot about is getting quality sleep. Maybe not talked enough about We really need, your brain needs that time to rest and restore um, and to make sure that your, your brain has the time to kind of relax and process. The other thing is that when you're sleeping, no surprise, it also impacts your heart health and your blood sugar. So really getting more than six hours of sleep a night. I know some people, and especially as we age, sleep is less deep. And so people tend to wake up. They have a harder time falling asleep and staying asleep, but really trying to make that commitment to at least six hours of actually sleeping, not six hours in bed, six hours of actually sleeping. Um, And so There's some things to think about with that, which is how can you create an environment that 
really supports your sleep. Are you, do you have too many blankets on the bed and it gets hot overnight? You know, are, you know, do you have a partner who's maybe disrupting your sleep? I think it's becoming more and more common, or at least people are talking more openly about the fact that many married or long-term partners um, actually don't sleep in the same bed together um, because it impacts their ability to sleep. If your partner snores really loudly, that's definitely going to impact your ability to sleep well. So really thinking about how do you commit to having six hours of actual sleep at night. And then the other thing is challenging your brain. Mentally stimulating activities can maintain and even potentially improve your cognition because they increase the blood flow to your brain. Now, I know you said, oh, I there's all these apps and, and products that say they're going to do all these brain teasers and things like that. But be really careful about the commercially marketed brain games, especially when they have big claims and big promises. Here's the thing. It's really about learning new things. When we learn, the brain is building new connections, new pathways. It's increasing its activity. So it's not about doing the Sudoku every day or the crossword because they're relying on memory. It's learning new hobbies and skills, maybe taking a class at community college, learning new cooking techniques, building a piece of furniture, learning to paint or some new form of art, um, learning a new strategy game like chess. So learning something new is really that key to it. It's expanding your mind, not just tapping into the things your mind already has connections to. Fantastic. I love the thought about trying something new and learning a new hobby, taking on that strategy game. That was fantastic. So thinking of some helpful resources, especially for older adults, to help maintain and improve the brain health, what do you recommend? First and foremost, quit smoking. If you are a smoker, you have a much higher risk for cognitive decline and potentially dementia. And overall, smoking negatively impacts your health, right? We're also talking about the cardiovascular system. You're impacting your heart, your lungs. The brain needs, you know, rich oxygenated blood to do its best job. Um, the other thing that, you know, many studies have found that consistent physical activity is associated with lower risk of cognitive decline. And some researchers researchers will say, it's actually, if there was one thing that you're going to do after listening to this podcast and thinking about how you want to improve your brain health, increasing your physical activity is the thing to start with. Now, start slow and low, right? Just depends on what your physical capacity is at, at the moment. Also, always talk to your doctor before you start a new physical regimen. And some researchers say that exercise should be regular and on the more vigorous side, getting that heart pumping and the blood flowing. But some other studies have shown that there are even benefits from doing milder activities like walking. So 20 to 30 minutes of walking three times a week. So, and, and now there's new cool things like you have apps on your phone that track your steps. Maybe it's just increasing the amount of steps you do every day and not like going from 2,000 to 5,000, but maybe 100 new steps a week. 
little things, little changes, but really getting that body moving is a great way. Um, and some researchers say the best way to focus if you're going to start anything new um, to improve your cognitive health. I would be remiss if I didn't also talk about taking care of your mental health and your stress level. And this is important, particularly for me in the Alzheimer's and dementia space, not just for you as a person, but especially our, our, our family members who are caring for a loved one. You know, these diseases are, are wildly stressful. They change the way that you live your life on the day-to-day. Self-care is not selfish. It's necessary. And the other thing to keep in mind is I mentioned earlier about learning new things improves your brain. Spoiler alert, therapy changes your brain too, because you're learning new things. You're learning new tools to cope with the situations in your life. And so going to see a therapist not only helps you manage your emotional and mental health, but it's also helping your brain health overall. Eating healthy. So uh, increasing your fruits and vegetables, nuts, beans, whole grains, lean meats. I think we've heard a lot of these things, you know, the plant-based oils, low saturated fats. There's two really good examples, particularly when we're looking at brain health. One is the DASH diet. It's dietary approaches to stop hypertension, brain health or heart health for brain health, right? It's flexible and balanced eating. It also reduces your risk for osteoporosis, cancer, heart disease, stroke, and diabetes. And then another really popular but well-researched is the Mediterranean diet. It's never too late to make these changes. And then the piece that I think is an unsung hero in all of this is staying connected to other people. There's some research that shows connecting with others may support brain health. Um, And we know that people don't do well in isolation. I think we all experienced that by and large during the pandemic was a big lesson learned as a collective. But when people are well connected to others, they also tend to make healthier choices in other parts of their lives. Plus, a lot of the things that I just talked about are things you can do with others. You know, when you're changing your eating, having a buddy to do that, or if you're going to start walking three times a week, doing that with a friend or a family member makes it that much more enjoyable and also creates accountability. Really making sure that, you know, you are looking in your social network and getting together and learning new hobbies means maybe also meeting new friends. So I think one piece we just don't talk about enough is the importance of positive, healthy social relationships. Well, Kinsey, these are such great reminders and really helpful tips. I was wondering if you'd like to share anything else with our listeners today about keeping your brain sharp. You know, whenever you're considering what you want to what you want to do to improve your brain health, pick the things that sound the most exciting or intriguing because that's what is going to get you committed in to make real change to improve your health. You know, if you're sitting here thinking, "Oh, you know what? I'm I'm someone and this is me too. Not maybe surprising to some people who know me, but I'm a bit of an introvert. So connecting with people is maybe not going to be my top thing, but I love to cook. And so learning, so two things all at once, right? Learning new techniques for cooking, trying out new recipes, 
but also doing it with new information about swapping out healthy alternatives. So thinking about what oils I cook with um, or how can I sneak a few more vegetables or fruit into my day to day? Make things a challenge. You know, if you're someone like me and you're kind of really competitive, take advantage of that. Set goals. I think, I think the other piece of it is how do we create a, a sense of accountability for ourselves? So it's not like, oh, I just think I might try to eat healthier. Set some real clear goals about what that healthy eating looks like. Or creating a tracker. You know, if you're someone who thinks, I could really, I could really do better at how much I sleep every night, start to kind of track each day how you're doing with that so that you can see that progress. And maybe it is the goal is just spending more time in your actual bed just to give you a greater chance of getting more sleep. The reality is that with a lot of these health changes, you already know what you think is going to work best for you, but it's good to get some research in. I will tell you, your medical professionals, whoever you see for your regular care, has probably a lot of information on every single one of these topics to give you some great ideas of ways to implement. And I will always say whenever it comes to, and this is what we would consider behavior change, whenever we're trying to change our behavior, low and slow, don't make big, unachievable goals. You, Whatever you've been doing, you've probably been doing it for many, many, many years, and it's going to take some time to change that, to course correct. And so you're going to have missteps. You're going to have weeks where it doesn't make sense or it's not fitting or there's too much going on. It's about being gentle with yourself, making smaller changes, and really trying to commit into them. And then once you've picked one area that you've put a lot of focus, then pick another. Don't try and do all of these things all at once. Uh, Because if we do too many things, we're not successful in anything. But if we do one thing, we have a much better chance of succeeding. So it's about thinking about healthy eating, staying connected, get moving, quitting smoking, taking care of your mental health, challenging yourself mentally, and getting quality sleep. Pick one, one of those things. The other thing that I do want to just share, uh, because I'm with the Alzheimer's Association and I work with families dealing with dementia day in and day out, If you're living with some type of dementia, you think you might, if you're caring for a loved one who's been diagnosed with some type of dementia, or you think it might be some type of dementia, please reach out to the Alzheimer's Association. We do a lot of things to support families, including things like social activities to help you build your network and support groups to connect with others going through similar experiences just reach out to us. The easiest way to find us is either through our 24-7 helpline at 1-800-272-3900. Or if you're like me and you love digging through things on the internet, our website is such a wealth of information and includes a lot of information that I talked about today. And our website is just alz.org. So alls.org. 
please connect with us today. Again, you don't need to have a diagnosis. If you think you might be dealing with dementia, call us, reach out on the website. We'll help you start navigating this journey. Well, thank you, Kinsey. It's been an absolute delight having you share your insights today. And I just want to personally thank you for helping to expand my brain health. I learned so many great tips, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. So thank you again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you again, Kinsey, for providing such great thoughts for mindful aging. Listeners, to view resources, show notes, and access for MyCare Advisors episodes, visit MyCareAdvisors.com. You can also subscribe and listen to our podcast on your favorite app. I leave you with this quote from Carl Sagan. The brain is like a muscle. When it's in use, we feel good. Choose to be inspired to live the best life every day. Thank you for listening. We are grateful to be your guide.